Conversations with Pioneers, hosted by Refuelue Tobeja. She's a go-getter. What I want to know is, what's the number one criteria you looked for in proposals and requests for funding? Resilient, without a doubt. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you're a leader. Intelligent, most definitely a thinker. She sets the pace. And welcome to yet another exciting and inspiring edition of Conversations with Pioneers. And I'm your host, Rifilwe Tobera. This week, I'm in conversation with Bongin Daba, a South African-born and bred writer, director, and producer. She started her career in theater as a child in 1993 and began writing for television in 2003 at one of South Africa's longest running and top soapies, Generations, which she ended up being a head writer for in 2011. Bongi's TV credits as head writer include Generations, Generations The Legacy, Isidingo, Shreds and Dreams, Uzalo, Ehostela, Greed and Desire, among others. And her TV titles as writer include Gazlam, Home Affairs, Mubango, Sokulu and Partners, Saints and Sinners, Josie H, Ashes to Ashes, Zbondiwe, Imbe with the Seed. I mean, the list is long. Welcome to the show, Bongi. Thank you, Revile. You're welcome. You're welcome. How are you doing today? I'm good, especially because it's morning because I wake up early. All is good in the morning. Oh, good. You're an early bird, an early riser. Let's do this. Let's dig in. So, Bongi, for someone who doesn't know, what is a head writer, storyliner, and script writer? All the roles I believe you have executed very well. Thank you. Great you asked that because people confuse it. It's actually different roles. Starting with a script writer. Script writer, especially on a telenovela or a soapy, is a person who gets the treatment. They're part of the writing team. They get the treatment and then they write the dialogue. So they didn't do the beats of the story. They didn't create the story. They just got the treatment to say in this scene, this is what's happening and you just creatively do the dialogue. Whereas a storyliner is a person who works closely probably every day with the head writer because when we start a show, we brainstorm the characters, the story, the plot, the journeys, whatever. The head writer is like a manager, mm. but the head writer is a manager of the creator creative team and also the manager of the story they have to make sure that the story is going accordingly that the characters are executed accordingly managing everything and also the head writer is between the producers and the writing team and also with the producers and the channel if you are in a channel so that they know what is going on. So you are the custodian of the story if you're the head writer and also the back stops with you. So there could be a writer who has brought a suggestion. You have to say yes to it. And if it doesn't go well, you have to take the responsibility because it's you. If the story goes badly, you must take the responsibility because you allowed it. 
then the storyliner breaks down the stories that have been discussed and that have been approved by the head writer into those little scenes that you guys see on TV. Like in this scene, this is what's going to happen. In that scene, that's what's going to happen. The storyline, just like it says, it's like you must make the structure work. But like I say, they work closely with the head writer because everything is reported to the head writer. Amazing, amazing. So while at Generations, you raised its viewership by 3 million, breaking its own record. You also did the same when you were head writer at Uzalo on SABC2. The show broke another record when it hit... 10.2 million viewers this was in 2018 now this was a first for south africa right yeah yeah how did that happen you know i don't write saying we want to win awards my commitment as a writer i'm committed to the characters i'm a character driven writer i have to create characters that are compelling characters that are layered characters that are interesting i don't like creating boring characters we have these characters walking around every day our families are interesting our communities are interesting our struggles as black people is very interesting so there's a lot to work with every time i do a job i want to exceed myself from what i've done last time and I'm so glad that most viewers have accepted what I do and love what I do. And so that makes me happy. Now, who's Bongindaba at home? Where are you from, Bongi? <laughs> well, I'm from all over. I grew up with a family that we literally lived all over, especially when we were still younger. So, but anyway, I grew up in the Eastern Cape and then we moved to the KZN because my dad is from Umzimkulu, which was part of the Eastern Cape at that time. So I know that I have a Zulu name, but you know, it's historical. We came from KZN. They ran to go and hide in the Eastern Cape. That's why there's Amapat. So we grew up in the Eastern Cape, but then we moved to KZN. So I'm from the South Coast right now in Margate. But we grew up all over because my family just traveled. Like I was born in Vancom. We wow. stayed with two people. Yeah. Because <laughs> my dad was working there. He was in the medical field and he, he used to travel a lot. Even my siblings, we are all born. Some are born in KZN, some are born in the Eastern Cape. I was born in Velcom in the Oral Free State. So we've been all over. I've lived in so many places in South Africa, which I actually love. Yes. It's what made me also a writer contributor mm-hmm. because we've lived with people from different cultures. We hardly stayed in a place for two years, wow. you know. The the time that I know that I stayed a l- little bit longer in is when we were stayed with my grandmother in a place called Mount Telef in the Eastern Cape, in a rural place called Ekoso. So that I relate to as one of my places that rooted me because at that point, my parents made us stay for quite a number of years there. So some of the grooming comes there. That is fascinating. But so why did you choose this career field and what have been some of the biggest challenges you have faced in this industry this career actually chose me you know i call it it's my calling because never i'm not those people who grew up saying oh my god i'm a writer and i'm gonna be a writer not at all i see now thinking back that i've always been a writer but i would not lie to you and say i chose writing it chose me i grew up writing since the age of nine because with the parents that we had my dad loved us to have us read my mom is a teacher so everything in the house was about learn something 
Don't go outside and play. Don't go to the streets. What do you do? You read magazines, you read newspapers, you read the books. And my dad was a reader himself. Like he made us read. He was a person who liked books. So there were always books. We grew up like every house we stayed in. I would say there was a library because there was always a wall full of books on the shelves. So we had a library where it's like, there's the books. Just take a book and read instead of going outside and being naughty or whatever. So because of that, so you start having stories of your own. So I used to start writing my own stories. And also at that time when we grew up, there was radio dramas. Radio dramas were a big thing. That created visions in me and like, oh, I could write my own. I used to write my own radio dramas and they were probably rubbish. I'm sure they were. (laughs) But I used to make myself happy writing my little things. And I was obsessed with books. So I read a lot and then I felt like, let me just write. But it never said to me, there is a career. No. I thought I was going to follow my dad in the medical field. I wanted to be a gynecologist and I was good in maths and science. I was a smart girl. I applied UCT to do medicine. I applied at Verts, and then at home it was a struggle of finances. I didn't go and do that but I was accepted at Verts to study medicine. And then I went to do computer science at Technical Natal. That's where I, like, I've registered because it was cheaper than me coming to Verts. Mm-hmm. But then that very same week of registration, a cousin of mine and my late sister, they heard about auditions at the Playhouse, and I went and auditioned. But I was always a theater child because I started theater when I was young. I was always in the theater. Then now they were auditioning for professional actors who are young. And I went and auditioned and I got in. And I thought, wow, let me just do this. You know, I dropped that computer science thing. I didn't go. My parents were like, are you crazy? But they allowed me. I I have such open-minded parents. I never, people experience the thing where parents like, no, what is this career? For me, they said, yeah, go do it. But we want you to have a degree. So I went to the playhouse. And we were the young group that was groomed as professionals there, but without having a qualification. So I worked there for like two years. And then because of that, I was working with professionals, people who were from, who had degrees in drama. So I got influenced by them. Now I started knowing about it. And then after that, I went to study for a drama degree, for a performance degree. But I had already worked in theater before I went to study. I had already worked with professionals. Fanamu they were the professionals that we were like annoying there because we were the little girls. <laughs> so many of other, you know, theater grades that were there that we worked with. And then I decided, okay, I want to be like them. I want to have a qualification. And also I come from a family that is very academic. So it was like, okay, even if you like this thing, have a qualification. So I went and studied. Amazing. That's fascinating. Now, how did you feel when your play that premiered at the market theater was turned into a television series shreds and dreams and developed under the mentorship of the legendary zakes Mda. that's still the best highlight of my career even before going to study i already have read some of zakes Mda's books because they were there in my home so they were always fascinating to me you know Wole Soyinka, those are the people that I read when I was still very, very young. Like uh, some of it, I mean, English was hard. You just like, I don't know what they say, but I read. I won't lie. That is the best highlight of my career to see the person that wrote the plays and the books that you've read. And now 
you are face to face with them. To tell you the fascinating thing about that, from high school to varsity to when I was at the playhouse, I was interested in poetry. I used to do prose and poetry and I used to write that. And I used to perform poetry. I wrote that play in prose. It was not written as a play. It was written as poems about women, shreds and dreams. And I wrote it and I used to perform it in little women theater festivals. And then I got to Joburg. I was broke. I wasn't getting jobs. I was auditioning. This was 2002. Mm -hmm. I was sitting in a flat in the Oval. That's the cheapest place at that time that we could stay in. We stayed there to share the flat. So because of that, then I started writing it as a play. These proses and poems. And I submitted it to the market theater because a friend told me that they're looking for new material. Then a year went by, I left the Oval in a way that even when the market theater replied to me, they replied to the Oval in that address. Lucky for me, a friend of mine was still staying there because I wouldn't have gotten that letter. And then she called me and was like, well, there's a letter here. It's, been, it's from the market theater. It's it's written market theater outside. And then they were calling me to come and have a meeting. It was actually like three weeks later. They thought that, oh, they can't find this moon in Daba because the letter was just sitting there. And then I went to the market theater, like, I'm going to go there personally. And then they told me, ah, Zaysim Dai has been looking for you. You were selected as one of the new works. I was beside myself, so excited. And I just sucked up all the information from him, like listened to him. And he was a very tough man. It wasn't, <laughs> he doesn't play. He's very strict. I mean, he told me straight up. He said, you are talented, but you're lazy. And I was like, what? I never saw myself as lazy. And he was like, your writing is lazy. You start something and you don't finish it. You don't explore it more. Which was a great lesson, eh, Rafil, because I understand now, being an experienced writer, what he meant. At that time, I was young. You know, you write things and then you are very superficial about it. And he was like, you are talented, but you don't go there. So that is why today I always say, can we go deeper? Can we find something about this character? Can we go deeper with this story? Don't just leave a story on the surface, even if it's exciting for the people. I always hate stories that are superficial. And I would thank him for that because he was like, you don't just leave things on the surface. You go deeper. And he, he was right because when you go deeper and think deeper and say, why is this person does this you find other things as a writer that even surprise you and I, I would thank him for that he really taught me a lot I mean it was tough and it was amazing to have your play at the market theater I mean it's a historic place any theater person loves to be at the market theater of course of course it's such an institution now Bongi you have also been in front of the camera you were nominated for a SAFTA in 2009 yes. <laughs> supporting role as Tembeka in Shakespeare adaptation of King Lear Izingani Zobaba. Let's chat a bit about that. At that time, like I said, when I came to Joburg, I came to act because still in me, as much as I was still, I was writing, I was writing in theater. I wrote some plays that we performed. I never saw myself as a writer. I thought, oh, this is something that I do. So that is why I say writing chose me because it followed me all the time. Even Shreds and Dreams, it showed me to say, hey, people love what I'm writing. It's at the market theater. But I was still chasing acting because in my head, that's what I am. At that time, that's what it was. But being beaten down in Joburg, I mean, you remember at that time, early 2000s and before that, was just like, when you are a big girl, you are too fat for TV. They wanted thin girls, beautiful girls, 
because I do not fall in that category whatsoever. So it was very hard to get jobs. So my writing explored more there. Then I was cast for Izingane Zubaba. And I thank the producers of the show because they saw something in me. And I was surprised, but not so much surprised by being nominated for a SAFTA because I'm not a bad actor. You know, I didn't pursue acting a lot when the writing grew. I felt like I actually love writing more than acting now. I always want to see another person acting what I've written. I love that. I don't feel like I should act what I've written. I want to see another person putting another interpretation on top of what I've done. Mm. Amazing, amazing. Not chasing that. Father Christmas doesn't come around here. Was that your first film? That was my first film. I mean, it came by at Christmas when my niece was with a friend and we were doing the whole tree thing because that's what we do. And they were talking amongst themselves. They were like five years old at that time. They were talking about Father Christmas that, you know, nagging us saying, we must come. Father Christmas has got presents for us. It's under the tree. So my sister's house had a fireplace at that time. And then my aunt came to say Happy Christmas to us. And she was asking them, she was like, where does Father Christmas come from? And then they were like, yeah, he goes down the chimney at night. And they were explaining this whole thing that they see in movies and give the presents that we've asked for and stuff like that. So that to me, and that's what happens with me, Rafidwe, anything that I hear can turn into a story. Any belief that people have fascinates me and turn into the story. So this conversation between these five, six-year-old fascinated me that they really believe this. They really think this is what happens. They even showing my aunt the chimney, how the Father Christmas comes and all that and brings them what they want. And then in my head, I guess as a writer, went like, what if a child doesn't have a chimney? What do they have to believe in? And where does this belief come from? If you think about it, it comes from the TV. It comes from the movies that they are watching to believe this Father Christmas. It's not really an African thing. So that's where that idea of that movie came from to say father christmas doesn't come around here why because there's no chimney and this little girl says i must build the chimney so that father christmas can come to my home whereas it's not about that it's about the economy if your parents don't have money to buy you the gifts there ain't no father christmas who's gonna come wow and i was not aware that in 2017 you wrote south africa's first whatsapp drama series titled uh, yes which was produced by sandlam yes (laughs) That was such an innovating idea that the ad agency, advertising agency, wanted to do something different. So they said, let's call someone who's worked on the soapy land. And then we created that. It was such an amazing thing. And also it was daunting because it was like, it might not work. But they had an account of Sanlam, the advertising agency. So we had to pitch this to Sanlam and say, instead of doing the usual, you know, insurance adverts, let's do it like this. Let's do a drama that is on WhatsApp. Because why WhatsApp? Because it's accessible to a lot of people. So they wanted something like TV because TV is accessible to a lot of people. What is next accessible to a lot of people it is whatsapp so that's why we put it on whatsapp and now it was like how do we form it how do we make it easier and that was the tricky part of it working also with it people because you're like okay me as a writer i'm like this is what i can do and then they would try and say okay when we move it onto the world of social 
how do we make it work? Because there was just pictures and little videos. We didn't do a lot. It wasn't like TV. So it was very innovative. I'm, I won't lie. And it won a lot of awards internationally. But it also won, I think, a Lori Award here. It won a lot of advertising awards. Mm, I can imagine. What are other awards or accolades you've earned in the industry over the years? Oh, my God. I mean, you know, for me, the happiest ones is when Father Christmas, the short movie, we submitted it to New York, Tribeca Film. I mean, Tribeca Film is one of the biggest film festivals, and we won an award for that. I'm not a person who's always looking for awards, but I was just like, my goodness, my work is selected internationally. And then I won an, an international award on that. That to me was so satisfying. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, same thing with my latest short movie, Miracle, when it was winning awards all over, you just like, you know, I was sitting on my couch writing this thing. You didn't think that, you know, it's going to do anything. And here it is. But it also shows that the world is ready for our stories and the way we tell our stories, not to copy anybody. We must just tell our stories the way we want to. And the world is ready for it. I'm glad you spoke about Miracle. I was about to get to it and you've covered that already. Now let's move to Erased, your highly acclaimed drama about sex workers, which shook South Africa. How did Erased come about? Erased came about, I always wanted to do a show about sex workers. And the reason why that when I was at varsity, there was a girl and everybody was like, shoo, 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 about whispering. There was a girl who was actually doing sex work to pay their fees. Hmm. And of course there was gossips. He, she wasn't a friend of mine, but I'm always a curious person. When people are talking about stuff or talking bad about someone because they do something, I'm always fascinated. Why does that person do that? I happened to have a conversation off the cuff phone conversation with her like I said she wasn't my friend and then you discover why she's doing this you know because she would be picked up by nice cars and what 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 and then I discovered this is not like a bad person she's not a terrible person she's not a person with loose morals or whatever we've been taught is wrong in our lives she's just like us it could be anyone She's just doing it because there is a need. So that was years ago. And then that has always been in my head of going into that world. But also it's a world that is, is not easy to go to. It's a very dark world. It's a very dangerous world. It was like, how do I do that? Then when I met Mpo Lengani at Moja Love, and, you know, we used to talk with Mpo. We just love to talk about things, you know, about life. And she mentioned one day that her aunt has an NGO and she takes care of sex workers. She was just telling me one of the fascinating stories that her aunt has told her about sex workers in the Val, about how they confronted a married man because this married man wanted to sleep with the sex workers that she takes care of without using a condom. But they know his uh, wife and then they went there and they spoke to him to say, you're going to spread disease, you'll bring disease even for your wife. Da, da, da. And I was fascinated that you can go and speak to somebody who has a wife and you're you know these sex workers how does that happen it doesn't make sense yeah. and then I, I said to Tumpo we should do a drama about this mm -hmm. because people don't know we always see sex workers because the world has told us dirty loose morals what 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 mm -hmm. these are people they are somebody's sister they are the mothers they are the grandmothers they are girl next door that you live they're just like us they just chose 
this job because there was a need, there's a situation. And that's how it came about. So we started doing research. Before I even had characters of what, we started talking to the sex workers. Um, Paul's aunt brought them to us and we literally like went into their world and learned everything that they go through. I mean, the show was amazing. We didn't even go as deeper as other things that we, we saw and we heard are worse than what we put on screen. Wow. Wow, that's all I can say. When I take you back to Miracle for two seconds, which yes. you wrote and directed, what was the inspiration behind it? The inspiration, I'll tell you, I wrote that movie because I was frustrated by the industry. <laughs> I was frustrated by the industry. Yeah, I was very frustrated by the industry. This was 2017. In 2016, I was only sitting and I was not at my happiest because of the politics in the industry. And also because at that time, there was an energy that was coming in of not being creative, of just like, let's just put violence on screen. And it didn't work with me. And I was clashing with a lot of people. And I was getting frustrated because I'm like, why are we doing this? But I mean, I always say they won because that's where we are now in South African television. It's like, just throw meaningless violence and people are happy. But I was one of the creatives who was just like, I'm fighting against this thing. I'm not saying that it shouldn't happen, but it shouldn't be the only thing. That was my thing. Why does it have to be the only thing? Every channel you go to, they want violence. My goodness, why? Mm. And now I laugh in 2021, Rafilo, when people say, oh, South African TV, it sounds the same. It's because it was crafted from 2016 when people were wanted us to tell the same stories and some of us who said we don't want to tell those stories it can't be the only thing you were seen like you are being difficult you just don't know how to write don't come here and tell us what to do i don't think our audience is stupid i don't think our audience is that shallow that all they want to see is guns they want other human stories erased is one of it we didn't have guns there people love the show we must tell different stories. There are so many different stories. So when people complain now in 2020, 2021, I'm like, well, you accepted it when it started. So what must happen? Deal with it. So I was very frustrated and I thought, you know, let me just do my own thing. Let me just write what I feel the way I want to tell stories. And I literally sat one day in my couch and I wrote this and it wasn't miracle at the time. It had a very long title because I love long titles. <laughs> As you can see, Father Christmas doesn't come around here. This also was a long title. <laughs> it was called Whose Jesus Is It Anyway? That's what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> and it's partly based on a true story because my late sister was a very sickly child. She eventually passed away. And I saw my mom. My mom will go to the prophets. My mom will go to the Sangomas. will go everywhere to try and treat your child because that's what you do when you're a parent. So I watched that. So it is based on that partly. It's just that in the movie, I didn't kill the little girl. My sister eventually passed away, but I didn't. I chose not to because I saw my mom chasing the miracle. She literally wanted a miracle for her. And so when I was talking to the script editor at that time and I'm telling her where the inspiration of the story comes from. And she was like, your title is going to push some other people away when you say who's Jesus is it anyway. Shouldn't we call it miracle? Because that's that's what the story is about. And that's when it changed. Yeah. And then it was called miracle. So it's partly personal, but also even more personal because when I wrote it, I was just like, yes, to the industry. Let me just do my own thing. <laughs> that's what it was. 
because <laughs> I was really frustrated. I, I won't lie. I even stopped head writing for two years until Uzalo came to me. And when they came to me to say, please come and head write, they asked me quite a number of times because I was kept on saying no, because I didn't want to head write at that time. If you look at the season that I did in Uzalo, it, there was no violence. It was not full of violence. There was a little bit of, because the premise of the show is about stealing cars and stuff. That, there was that, but I created characters that I want to create, characters that are normal people, characters that have family problems and struggles that have nothing to do with the gun. I see what you mean. What are you currently working on now? Right now, I'm working on comedies. We're shooting one, actually, from the 20th of September for Moja Love. I have to tell you, Moja Love, a small channel, which is now not as small as it used to be because it's growing very fast. What I love about it, what I love about Obritao is that he has given me a platform to grow and tell real stories. He is one person, one channel that is not about violence. He says... I want family stories. I want those things that are happening in our townships. I want those things that are happening in our homes. I want those stories when somebody dies, people are fighting about how the burial must go. I want ordinary stories of us. I want to see those uncles, those aunties in our families, in our stories. So they asked me to come and create a slate of scripted, which is going to start rolling out soon. So because of COVID, we did Erased and we have other dramas that are written that we're going to shoot. But then because of COVID, and at first I didn't agree with Obre on this. He said, I think people are too depressed because of COVID. Let's make people laugh. Can we shift and do comedies first instead of concentrating in dramas? Yes, people love dramas, but let's make people laugh. And I get it now because South Africa needs to laugh. COVID has affected the whole world, but we've been affected a lot in Africa because we are countries that are struggling with everything. Corruption, political turmoil, poverty, everything. So people need that relief to watch TV and laugh, not watch these things that are going to make them depressed. You want to come home and watch stuff that will make you feel good about yourself because so much is making us not feel good. So I love being in a space where I'm allowed to just be creative. And I can just tell you a little bit. I'm not going to tell you a lot about the drama that we have. It's about these bishops that are playing with people. And it's, it's so awesome. Do you have any words of advice for anyone listening and wanting to do what you do, Bongi? If you are a writer and this is your calling and this is your gift, you're a storyteller. Just keep writing. Don't stop writing. Don't write because you're going to get money. Just two months ago, I saw an opportunity to submit to a film festival. And I have a, a feature film script that I had written probably four years ago. And I thought, my goodness, I can submit that. Always write because you're a writer. The problem is when now the young ones are writing for money. Then for me, you're not a writer. You're writing for money. I don't write for money. I say money will come. You write because you want to entertain people. You write because you have a burst in your brain and a burst in your heart and a burst in your soul of telling a story. So a writer who says I'm a writer and they're waiting to be hired, I always say then you're not a storyteller. You're just a person who types. Because if you are waiting to be hired, then you're not a writer. You are a hired typist that's going to type the story. That's profound. Ouch. Where do we get a hold of you on the social streets, Bongi? I'm Bongi Gilendaba. 
both on Instagram and Facebook. On Twitter, I'm at Masengasile. That's my clan name. Mm. Yeah. Bonginda, super writer, director, and producer, continue to break records. We wish you all the best and thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Rafilwe. I appreciate it. What an episode, even if I have to say so myself. Thank you for listening. Please share. Find me across all social media platforms, Rifilwe Tobeha. Let's level up again soon when I have a chat with yet another pioneer. Take care. Conversations with Pioneers, hosted by Rifilwe Tobeha.